Hello? Are we on the air? Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast, where we ask not what's in your head, but what your head is in. Prepare to be inspired. Inspired to change your environment, change your mindset, and ultimately change your life. Willpower doesn't work, people. If you truly want to move away from stress and anxiety, you have to start with your environment. With your environment. So let's go. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Happiness is loading. Is loading. Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast. Hello, podcast world. I hope you are well. I hope you are happy. I hope you are enjoying life. Um, I really didn't know how to kick this podcast off. It's it's definitely one of my favorites uh, that I've recorded. Um, and it, it's just a weird concoction of backgrounds that have led to three people having this shared belief about the power of play. It's, it's kind of like one of those jokes when um, three guys walk into a bar or what do you get? What do you get if you cross a guy who is a failed rugby player um, and loves the workings of the human brain with a guy who is a failed golfer and is now a passionate, energetic and motivated PGA golf coach with a guy who was christened the techiest golf coach of all time. What do you get? And you wouldn't think that you would get the most riveting and enthralling podcast on the power of play. Uh, this discussion is so important and can add so much value, not only to the coaching world, not only to the golf world, but the world in general. If we truly understood the power of play as coaches, as parents, as friends, we could create a whole different environment uh, for the future of this world to, to grow up in, to thrive in, and to blossom. So please listen to this podcast with open ears, open mind, open heart, grab a pen, grab a pencil, grab a piece of paper, take notes, because the depth of understanding that Richard Franklin, the founder and CEO of Discover Golf has on this topic of the power of play is astonishing. The energy, passion, and drive uh, that PGA coach and CEO of Junior Golf, Gavin Parker, has to install this in his coaching programs and create positive change for the junior golfers that are blessed to work with him is absolutely um, incredible. So sit back and see what you can learn from these two awesome guys talking about the power of play. Gentlemen, the disruptive innovators in the golf industry, how are we? <laughs> doing great, doing great. Fantastic. Thank you for having me, Ian. No worries. Um, I would love you guys just introduce yourselves. Um, I gave you an awesome uh, build-up uh, off, off air. Um, uh, Gavin, obviously, we've spoken before. Uh, you came on, you did the, uh, the podcast on motivation and, uh, and the Pac-Man pill, um, which was inspiring. Um, Richard, this is the first time we've spoken. So let, let's start with you. If you introduce yourself, tell us a bit about you, your history, uh, what you're doing in the, in the golfing world right now. And then uh, Gavin can piggyback off that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to sitting down with you guys for sure, sharing some uh, insights i think are are maybe our unique truth right now in uh, in the golf world my name is richard franklin i am the founder owner game designer behind discover golf um, the last 10 years been devoted dedicated thinking about incessantly how to make the four to 12 year old golf adjacent golf like golf light experience as great as humanly possible. And that is a function of the games that we make, the learning supplementation, education supplementation that we give coaches around the world, 
to try to bring sort of a robust sense in terms of the play theory, the game design, the developmental psychology, the behavioral psychology, the cultural moment overlap that is the fertile ground from which Discover Golf has been flowered. So to try to bring people into that space um, has been an 18 and a half hour a day project for the last 10 years. Uh, it gets me up at three in the morning. Um, I love it more than anything I could have ever imagined. And that's me. Wow. Gavin, you got, <laughs> you got to follow that, man. That's going to be a tricky one. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me as well. It's an honor to be here with you two guys. But my name is Gavin Parker. I essentially instill enthusiasm and joy. And right now I use a stick and a ball to do that. So it's um, I'm a golf professional. I teach golf, coach golf as well. But it's just been a pleasure to uh, learn from both of you guys. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the, the theme of this podcast is all about uh, creating positive change and doing it through the environment. So often the words that leave our mouth, they have very little impact on, on the students that we, that we coach, um, but it's the environments that we create that lead to um, positive and lasting change. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this one back to, to Richard. Let's talk a little bit about Discover Golf um, and the environment that it creates because I think there's a disconnect, like, you know, you even said it in your intro, the games that you create. I think people underestimate the power of a game and the power of play and just what actually it can do for not only a child, but for any human. So you're, you're, the, the way that you introduced yourself was so well-versed. Let's, let's try and rock another one out based on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much to unpack there, right? I mean, I think... Um, games as a philosophical way of being is, is not a highfalutin way of phrasing it. I mean, they truly are a lens in which you can see your life, your interaction with your environment, your interaction with others, how culture forms. Um, games are an amazingly deep topic. And really games, in my estimation, draw in multiple disciplines and fields of thought, which makes them so intriguing. Games are a pertinent way in which you could look at learning environments at, you know, which I think will be sort of a backdrop of this conversation. But games can also be vehicles of play. Games then could be vehicles of this sort of nebulous word fun, right? So I think it might be just appropriate before we get started and maybe just do like a glossary of terms because in my estimation, games, play, fun, really all kind of get lumped into a, just, a, just a beige salad, right? They're all, just the, <laughs> they're, they're all just the same thing in people's minds, and that is not the case. So let's start with play. Power Play, name of the podcast, I love that. So play really is free movement and we'll sort of maybe start with an abstract you know topic and then we'll kind of touch into some of the tentacles that that sprout out of it so play is free movement within a more rigid structure so what's interesting about that is play is more faithful or authentic or more vibrant when there are constraints around it so i think there's a misnomer that like oh like those kids are just going to go out and play and like discover golf is just like this open space where like kids are just making up their own games wrong, extremely wrong. Discover golf from one perspective is about putting up a scaffolding of rules, interactive systems, opportunities for human to human opportunities for human to environment interaction points right? These are systems of rules. This, this is the underlying guts of games that engender a kind of play that has certain focal points, right? And so that's a perfect segue into what is play for, because th this will be another, you know, I think rhetoric, if you will, in the golf industry or, or you sports industry is that 
we play games so that we can improve our chipping competency so that we may be able to make more pars. Essentially what you're doing is you're taking play, you're domesticating play, right? You're, you're, you're using play as an instrument for the coaches or the parents ends. So it, it no longer becomes child centric. It no longer becomes about the means of play. It no longer becomes about the immersive moment. It no longer becomes about the loss of self. It no longer becomes about the freedom to explore and to switch identities and to develop emotional intelligence by having this nonverbal interaction with another human. All of these wonderful textured, nuanced experiences that happen because of play are then lost. So that's probably too many words. It's probably a mouthful to get started. But I think what's really important is if at least that just switches people's brains to say like, when we say fun, when we say play, when we say games, we're signing a contract to take those as seriously as possible. And and oh, sorry. No, 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 go on. You roll, fire away. No, Ian, but like everything Richard just mentioned, that's what drove me to you. And I think that's what makes what you've been doing so so valued. And I think in addition to that, how can we set something up for the next generation of golfers? And like Richard just discussed, man, his games and all the playing that he does creates, I mean, kids are getting pretty good. Wouldn't you say, Richard? Like, I mean, your, your games – create well, the skill good, that everyone talks about as well right good at good at what yeah so i would say good at capturing their attention good at having you know a thought process a system um to be aware of what they're trying to do to probably get a little bit better with holding a golf club and hitting it to somewhere like it's let's, that's, let's, that's what i've let's, seen let's let's go right there let's go right there yeah. because here, here here here's what's really valuable for me so what Gavin just talked about is like, but your kids are getting better, right? And it's like, yeah, but better at what? Why don't we just, let's strip this down to its bare essentials, right? So when you say getting better at hitting a ball, okay, that's, that's a stripped down way to articulate the golf experience. Beautiful. We can go one layer deeper. How about just, how about just agency of your environment? How about that? How about a child that's on a Zoom call six plus hours a day? And there's there's tons of data that you know we use in our workshop. And I'll just I'll just hit this one little point that pre-post-COVID data, because this is the cultural moment we live in, and learning happens within culture, and our kids bring their cultural norms and their cultural activities to bear when they learn in our environment. So we need to be cognizant of this. Post-COVID, between the ages of 8 to 12, screen time is for four and a half hours plus a day is 50% of our 8 to 12-year-olds in this country. I'll repeat that. 8 to 12 years old in the United States of America, the daily average for screen time is north of four and a half hours. Okay. So we don't need to talk about the adverse effects of what that means physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but there's a dark undercurrent there. And if, if you don't believe that, then you need to go look at some statistics. Childhood suicide rates, depression, anxiety, it is a very real thing. And I'm not trying to you know weaponize this or be dramatic, but it's something that I think about because what it helps me do is move the goalposts, right? I have an unbelievable opportunity. I have carte blanche at my facilities where they say, you do you, man, there's a big piece of grass, have fun. I take that with the greatest seriousness possible and say, okay, well, if I can do anything I want, I wanna bring as many children here as possible to get them off of the screen, to looking each other eye to eye, to communicating without their thumbs, and to demonstrate agency over their environment. Yeah, that's gonna be with a stick and a ball predominantly, but that's also gonna be moving pieces around and making strategic decisions and changing the state of play and feeling like they're, they're a voice of authority within their community. That's an incredible, that's an incredible opportunity 
if coaches are willing to accept that maybe their core competency is more than looking at pressure mapping on a body track. Boom. So, Ian, you see how he just Keepers was creepers, able to artic articulate that? I would be the perfect rhetoric for being the most traditional, I only want my kids to improve their scores and get better. And I was doing that to, I mean, brute force. Uh, I mean, I was putting it like I was trying to create that rhetoric. And now through the help of Richard Franklin, we're able to create something that's even more meaningful. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you guys are like, I don't know if you're like Edelman and Brady or Will and Carlton. I don't know what tag team you guys have got going on, um, but there's something between you two. Um, and, and, and I don't know whether it's Richard's education that has helped you, Gavin, change gear, um, whether you were looking for something and you found it in Discover Golf. But dude, you're, since we did that last podcast, your stock and your social media and your following, um, your energy and passion is still the same, like insane. I don't know how you maintain it on that level at all times. Um, but you are making now waves in the golf industry um, because I'm going to assume some of the stuff that, that Richard's taught you and your, um, your ability to understand that education and then apply the Discover Golf um, into your coaching. So can you, can you build on that, that a little bit? What's changed for you? And, and then what's changed for the kids and the families? Cause that's ultimately the most important thing, right? You, you know, Richard has this mission. He says, I've been doing this for over a decade. It's what gets me up at three in the morning. And on the surface, you're like, man, this guy gets up at three in the morning to build games. But then you realize this guy gets up at three in the morning to lower teenage suicide rate, to shift people away from um, screen time, to break some of the new norms that have started to take shape during COVID. Like this is a deep, deep, deep mission. Um, golf and, and the games are, are, are a tool to that. So can you talk about your experiences implementing this for yourself personally and then the family and the kids? Well, Ian, that was, that was excellent. Well, it started off as my passion has always been golf. My passion was allowing me to have a way of life, being able to, you know, make a living. But more importantly, I've always had a purpose. And through Richard, he's a helped me align my purpose and what I'm here to do. And that is to spread enthusiasm and to spread joy to as many human beings as possible. And I was limiting myself just speaking the golf rhetoric, which is like, is, as Richard would say, a termite's whole <laughs> like point of view to look into the industry. So being able to team up with Richard, learn all the research that he has done. He's been an amazing teacher, amazing friend, amazing mentor to actually understand what play is for, what games are for. And now we both share the same values that we're here to help kids and all kids not just kids who want to be better at golf so it's been a deal breaker for, I mean a no-brainer for me and I'm hoping hopefully we want to just articulate this message to the golf culture at large and then hopefully as we keep doing this we can evaluate how all coaching's done to kids whether it's golf or tennis or soccer or just any sports and you know, it's the multiplier effect, Ian. Richard can't do it by himself. I can't do it by myself. But together, collectively, we synergize and we start flowing and we can create something that's just quite unique. Ian, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there if I may. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll speak to Gavin and I's relationship here just briefly. And just to back up this point, you know, I met Gavin shoot over about a year and a half ago. And as he was saying, I think he, he represents so much of, as he was touching on discover golf's mission statement, as it pertains to the cultural slash staffing slash human capital force behind what we're trying to do. And that is an unbelievably big part of the mission statement. Something I don't touch a lot of on podcasts. We talk a lot about it in workshops. 
is that Gavin is really a lightning rod for what we think is possible, is that we want men, women of all colors, all shades, all backgrounds, all persuasions, all interests to feel like they have a home within golf. Love it. And it's, and, and, and it's my opinion that, that what we're trying to change from the surface level is the accessibility of golf and its formats with kids, but also we want to change the accessibility for a 19 year old that's out there right now that doesn't align themselves with PGM, that doesn't align themselves with the conventions and etiquettes and culture of golf. That, that 19 year old is brilliant, whether it's hip hop or art or math or whatever they're into, they have an incredible perspective on something that can enlighten and empower our kids. And it's my fear that the shell of golf, and I use that word specifically, is not porous enough to allow those people into our space. If our core mission is to empower and enlighten and enrich kids' lives from four to 12, does that mean that you need a golf certification to do that? 100% absolutely not. The golf piece you get for free. The golf piece is the easy part. It's getting kids, like we talked about, off the screen and give, having them make the, the incredible leap to go from Xbox, smartphone, whatever they're doing that's not golf to say, okay, whatever, I guess I'll give it a try. The, I, whatever, I'll give it a try phase for, for an eight-year-old is an immense leap. And so I'm just so proud to be Gavin's friends, to be business partners with Gavin. We got a bunch of cool stuff coming out here over the next year. It's going to be really exciting. All wrapped around this ability, we hope, to invite different perspectives, different looks, different feels into our sport. That is so much of Discover Golf, and I, and, I, and I think we both thank you for bringing that up. So let let me let me tee one up for you guys. <laughs> um, okay, Xbox. Uh, it's across multiple cultures, multiple shapes and sizes of people. Okay, um, kids are addicted to it. They choose to spend their time on the Xbox. Of course. Why? And then, and then I'm teeing you up with, okay, what is Discover Golf doing to capitalize on that? And now we can actually pull this addiction away from a screen and into an open air environment where there's more um, interaction, more um, human evolution uh, uh, taking place. Okay, Richard, I'll take the, I'll take the first phase if you want to take the second phase. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you have the whole thing, Gavin. Let me just I want to share one data point. All right. In 2019, the census data for Lake County, Illinois, which is where we have our summer junior camp discover program. If it's not the largest in the state of Illinois, it's the largest in the Midwest. If it's not the largest in the Midwest, it's the largest in the country. If the if not the world. 750 kids attend this summer junior camp. Kids flying in from all over the country. It's an event like you've never seen. We do 70 kids a group, morning, afternoon, for 11 weeks straight. It's incredible. It's, it, it is play theater that only my dreams could have envisioned. Now, with that said, in Lake County, Illinois, with 750 kids in our program, the population data tells us that there are 116,000 children in that county, it's a small county, between the ages of five to 17. So I'm sitting here saying, look at me, I got 750 kids, I'm doing such a great job. Nope, I'm getting crushed. I am literally getting eviscerated by screens. The data, <laughs> the data further suggests that screen time literally dwarfs all forms of organized child sport. Now, so let's, let's just do this really quick. Screen time, way, way up here. Five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Ooh, going down. 
okay? Here, sports, okay? Ooh, going down, golf, right? Because golf is not the most popular organized sport by any stretch. Yep. Ooh, ooh, want to play in tournaments. All, so, okay, let, 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 let's just look at this one more time. Green time here, sports in general way down here, golf even further down, and then within golf, a desire to have a rigorous tournament-style preparation program. Golf coaches have got to change the lens because they're seeing it, as we said, through this termite-chewed hole like this when the world is out here. Gavin, to you. Well, can I, Gavin, just before you go, and that's who we, that, what you're saying is that's who we cater for, right? We cater for the absolute tiny minority. Yep. The, okay. the, the game industry is a billion dollar industry. The junior golf industry is a hundred dollar industry. Bingo. And I mean, have you not seen the new Xbox in? It's literally dope. It's sick. It's the interface. You can use all the old 360 games. How are we going to compete with that, man? And, Dude, I'm, and I'm, we're going to sit out here. I'm too old to even use those words like dope. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in, I, I get it. I know. Like, yeah. And that gives us the unique opportunity. And uh, I think this is what Richard and I kind of have is, you know, he can communicate and articulate to the older generation of golf professionals who need to stay relevant. And I'm the face of the new age, man. If, if you're 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 year old PGM student, um, because I, I was them at one point, I can tell them that, man, you don't want to run through and just keep regurgitating the rhetorics of progress and your performance piece and your scorecards, because I did that to the highest level that you could. I, at one point, I probably had one of the largest junior golf programs running the traditional railroad style and kids were getting disengaged left and right. But what they did enjoy was me trying to at least create a meaningful moment through quite sandboxy approach, uh, play where we were trying to make it exciting. I was trying to create an environment that was least cool. I was bumping Bluetooth. I was bumping the speaker. I didn't look like every other coach that gave me a unique opportunity, but now I can empower an army of other young coaches to empower them to really want to make a difference and really change the goalposts of what the word G O L F could be for. And Richard, Help me get there the fastest. Love that, man. That, that's perfectly said. Uh, really quick for those listening, because Gavin just put in a couple words there. Let's go to glossary of terms here. Um, sand, sand, sandbox and railroad. So um, that's DG sort of uh, taxonomy in terms of like the play format. So sandbox could be looked at as open interpretive play. Railroad on the fur furthest end of that spectrum would be like task drill based, no choice play. So when a golf coach says, okay, first one to go make 10 putts wins, you're railroading the hell out of them. And so if they're the 0.0000000000001% of kids that identify with golf culture and want tournament competency, then go ahead because that's what they're looking for, a serious play environment but for literally every other human being that's ever existed, they want a richer play experience, which offers three to five unique choices at any given moment. That helps them display their agency over the environment, over the agency of the state of the game. And so that's not to be twisted with then going too far, like we started on the sandbox side, which is what I see, which is like, this, this gives game-based coaching a black eye because then you'll see people being like, you know, there's 40 cones on the green and it's like, look, we're playing today because the kids get to make their own Ferris wheel. It's like, do they can do that at home. <laughs> That's that, that, it, that is so, that is so absurd that that is so open sandbox that, that it really has, because this, I mean, this is an interesting discussion and not, not to change the subject at all, but because I think every golf pro listening if I said like, how many of you guys did like TPI level one, like the arms would shoot up so fast, it, it, they punch a hole through the wall, right? Like that's the gold standard in like 
golf training. And I'm not here to say that's a bad thing or a good thing, but every single one of them has seen the Jean Cote slide, which is like too much deliberate practice is bad if you're a kid. And if you do too much of it, you're going to burn out. You should do deliberate play. And then they stop. And then they go to the next slide and they say, okay, good. I got it. You got it. You got it. You got deliberate play now because you did one Jean Cote slide. So I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to, if it isn't perfectly clear by this point, 38 minutes into the podcast, is that we're trying to dig into that deliberate play dimension that every single junior golf coach in the history of the world agrees on and actually shed some light on it. So, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, love it. So I, I, I want to jump back to you, Gavin, because I, I know your journey uh, yep. from first tee to uh, an academy to when it all became a little too serious and maybe a little mechanical to frustrations. So first of all, just explain, and and, and I've made an assumption there. I'm I'm assuming this is one, knowing your journey and knowing Richard's mission, there's a synergy there, right? You went through a model that potentially... um, didn't give you everything you needed to become the best version of, of what you wanted to be. Right. So that, that would be my first point. So can you talk a little bit about that? And, and, and if Richard's mission sort of aligns with your journey um, and then obviously the reasons you coach, but then again, give us a few of the stories of, of the kids that you work with now having made this shift into discover golf what are you seeing with the kids? What are you seeing with the families? Um, because the weird thing is, um, Richard mentioned that we cater for the 0.00001 that want to play tournament golf. But if we kind of flip it on its head and we do a better job down here, does that number eventually grow? And that might circle back to, to, to you. I know that's not necessarily the goal or the point of this, but is that a byproduct of it? So I, I, I'll ask way too many questions here, uh, but Gavin, you, you roll on your journey and then you roll on some of the success stories with, with kids. And then Richard can come back and circle around to, to that final point. Excellent. So I started playing golf when I was nine years old through the first tee. Absolutely loved it. By no means was I ever the best junior golfer ever. Um, so I wanted to take lessons like everyone else. So my parents didn't really have the means to send me to the most elite clubs in the area. So I was at the beck and call of my first tee kind of coaches who were just guys that kind of got into golf. And the first tee allowed you to have opportunities to pursue, you know, the PGA, excuse me, Pebble Beach and the Hank Haney IJGT. So I did everything in my power to apply for those grants where I had the ability to work at the top instructors in the world. And I remember being 15 years old and being coached out of being really good at this game. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. It was just because the information at the time, just, it, it, I didn't get enough. It was too fixated on the traits, meaning how my swing performed, my ball flight pattern, you know, my, my, my proximity to scores, they weren't really going on to my mental state or why I was sometimes getting nervous. And I, it didn't help me decide if I'm a nervous person or like, it, it just was, Oh, your routine was off. You know, it's just that same, that same regurgitation. So I then started becoming obsessed with becoming a coach myself. And that found me to salt to Campbell university and from Campbell university became a professional golf management student. Long, I mean, we've heard this spiel every time how to become a coach, but for me, it's always been about the kids who not necessarily had an opportunity to play golf because I was one of those kids. I wasn't the best golfer ever. Still to this day, gentlemen, I'm a PJ professional, and if I shoot 75, I'm playing great. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and be like, I'm amazing. Um, but through my journey of Discover Golf, I've started seeing kids who are on the spectrum and kids who were faced to do traditional junior golf programs where everything was predicated on your physical dexterity, meaning who could hit the ball the closest to a target, who can make the most putts. But I have some kids who have an IQ that's arguably genius, 135, 140. They have the physical, um, excuse me, 
they have the social skills to articulate to adults. You know, they can talk to 19, 18 year olds, but they only have the motor control for a four and five year old. And then we're quantifying outcomes, deeming them as winners or losers based off of some piece of yarn where using games and once again, did we just define the glossary terms of a game, Richard? I think, I think we did. Yeah. The, 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 the rule system that bounds play. Bingo. So good games and create outcomes that aren't solely predicated on who's the best, but outcomes that create choices or randomness or different player interactions or most importantly, my favorite is resource management. You know, you're making decisions and that opens up a field where I'm seeing all types of kids from all walks of life. I'm starting to coach kids who lost their parents and, you know, they're nine years old and their dad died and they just need to get out the house, but they don't want to go to soccer or piano. So their parents are sending them to me where I specialize in inclusion and in harmony and accessibility. And I'm creating these little moments where these kids can experience just for this one hour joy again, triumph can really get their mind off of something. And that is therapeutic. And that's what play can be used for. Junior golf shouldn't just be about a score. Junior golf should be about getting kids off screens, getting kids outside, getting kids in front of other kids. And to have the tools like Discover Golf to be able to create those environments, it's everything, Ian. And the more and more I'm watching these games and seeing them and being in the trenches, these kids are getting pretty proficient golf. And I'm willing to argue that play in is the new elite. And I think that tees up Richard perfectly to really dive into the research that constraint-based coaching is one of the most efficient ways to acquire skills in the first place. Okay. Beautiful. Well, that, well, that, yeah, that was, that yeah. was amazing, man. That was yeah. literally, that gave me goosebumps. I did think I might cry at one point, but I managed to hold the tears <laughs> back, but that was, I, I got to clip that. I got to clip that. I got to clip that. And we got to put that everywhere. Cause I, I, I don't even, you're saying a message that I want to say better than I can say it. That, that was insane, Be- man. Credit, credit stuff. to you. And, and, and Ian asked a question earlier, like, you know, what is it that draws the two of you together? I mean, that's it right there. I mean, uh, you know, Gavin is an exceptional human being with a, with a perfect story that encapsulates all of our value system. And so that's, that's exactly what's happening there. Um, okay. So really quick, uh, a couple points on, does this make our kids better golfers? Right. And so within, so I think it's, really just important for me to share my sort of background as a golf professional. And I played professionally, uh, golf magazine called me the techiest instructor in the country at one point. I mean, I have been into the deepest dives of AMM motion capture system. We were the first guy to have flight scope. I mean, I was that guy I've studied the minutia of the golf swing, I've seen Dr. Kwan. I mean, I, I could rattle off the names of people I've seen in this industry and people would be like, seriously, the play guys seen Rob Neal for like long weekends. Yeah, I, I have. And so there's always that part of my brain that says like, how, how does this game engender external focus, right? Because I've read all of Wolf's work and external focus and superior and not only a learning environment, but obviously a performance environment. So we're going to make games like Tiki Tirade that have the most visually stimulating intermediate external focus point that you can ever imagine so like from like but but here's my contention Ian and maybe this gets me in trouble and maybe we'd sell more games if I was willing to sort of like say this publicly is I'm not willing to make it an instrument for only improvement of golf because that's disingenuous to everything I know about play so if, if I'm a, if I'm an ardent supporter of the play format and I'm an ardent supporter of all kids being able to interpret this experience the way that they want to and pull from it what's most positive for them, then I can't say that it's only about 
the golf part. But to your to your last point about does this then at point zero 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 we need to go about eighteen more zeros one percent kids that want to play tournament golf playing games faithfully being aligned or or being willing to be in this magic circle which is a theoretical construct which get back to that Xbox theory which is that in this space right I forego reality. There is a sanctity to the rules, right? That, that I give into the premise of this game. I give into, and I check all my baggage at the door and everybody's the same in the pursuit of this flow state, right? This loss of self, this immersion. And I'm, and I'm going to uphold this magic circle because that's part of the community identity. This is a psychological superpower. If you, so this athlete first ethos, which is finally, I think, starting to diminish into the background, it is playful disposition first. Because if you can see what is going to be the rigors of tournament golf, the rigors of balancing life, golf, social, emotional, financial, that juggle when you're in your late teens, early 20s, right? That's the guts of who makes it and who doesn't. If you don't have a playful disposition toward breaking those meaty goals into sub goals and being willing to try different strategies, there's growth mindset topics in here, right? All of these pieces of research and data are all enveloped in play theory. I, I love it. And, and, and that's why I asked the question, because I've admitted to you on the phone calls, right? Like you just started to come into my world there. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Well, we, we were going to get there eventually. Yeah. And, and, and um, I've been so um, over the last decade, so driven and, and motivated and immersed myself in that kind of education and, and, and that's where I'm passionate, right? I failed as a, as a junior athlete. Um, because I was pretty good, but pretty young and it fixed my mindset and I played safe in practice and um, I didn't evolve the psychological habits of excellence that uh, stem from, from failure and stem from chaos and stem from taking risks. So the reason I do what I do is I'm trying to give youngsters the, the tools that I never evolved because I had success early. And I understand now why I failed. I'm very grateful for those failings. But now I look and I'm like, I'm getting a 14-year-old, 13-year-old. I started to get a few 12-year-olds. And I'm like, holy smoke. If they came from Discover Golf and they made the choice to do this, not the parents, they made the choice to do this at 12 or 13, it's like every barrier um, that I'm facing with a lot of these students is already broken down and psychological mm -hmm. habits of excellence are, are already in place. And, and at the end of the day, the development of psychological habits of excellence is, is, is the goal. And I'm not talking about the goal for winning. I'm talking about the goal for the most critical thing in life, being happy. I, I don't, I don't have children. Gavin, I know you don't. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm making an assumption. Not, I no, don't. no, no, no. <laughs> Richard, do you, you have kids, right? I, I, I have a, a, a beautiful baby girl. Yes, indeed. So it's baffling to me, right? I, I, I um, had a previous partner. We, we couldn't have kids. That was the reason we ended up separating. I now have a new partner. We're planning on having kids. My only goal when I have a child is for them to be happy. And it's baffling to me how parents have these amazing children that, are, that can walk, that can talk, that are motivated and that are happy. And that's not good enough. How is that not good? You've got to win a hurricane event or you've got to qualify for an AJGA for everything to be better. And I just had a conversation with a student the other day. He said, I've been playing three years at this academy and I've never won. And we talked about bigger picture thinking, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he went and won on, on the weekend. And I texted him. I said, I texted him yesterday. I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? Anything changed? And he's like, no, you were right. 
it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> On to the next. <laughs> and he, yep. he, he, he'd attack, like, there's no happiness there. Happiness is in psychological habits of excellence. Happiness is having a growth mindset. Happiness is your habits. Happiness is being the best version of yourself. It's in the process. So I, I just have this gut instinct that everything I'm trying to help teenagers with, man, if, if they were entering Discover Golf, it's like the environment is going to give them these tools. So let, let's, let's build a little bit on that. Yeah. And then I would one, love- one, more, one, one more data point, and then Gavin, it's all you. So in, in, and this is an extreme case, but it gives you, we talk, there's a power play pot. So let's, so let's talk about power play <laughs> data point. So in serial killer research, that's right. The only commonality that they could find that links all serial killers is a lack of play in childhood. Okay. Jeez. So the reason I bring that up is, and we talked about this before, right? Is there, there's an amazing social, right? Development piece that happens within play, right? That a lot of the research says like when you want, like a lot of animal research at play, right? Which, you know, has some interesting themes, like when dogs play fight, same thing with rough and tumble play for kids. And like, you know, I had a, a whole spell where I was really into movement practice and move nat. And I think there's some really interesting kind of, undercurrents of movement as play and play as fitness and that's interesting too we don't have to go into that but what they what they're basically saying is all of these children now that like don't engage in rough and tumble play actually don't learn empathy because within play like within our games the reason that our games if it's appropriate have themes of hostile player interaction is because we think it's appropriate that children play literally with these themes of hostility in a safe environment right because then in that case you can do a hostile maneuver and go for broke and you can even peacock a little bit can't you gavin i just robbed your bank and you can stretch your stuff but what we want you to do without us having to tell you is when you look at that person's face and they're not playing with you they're sad about it and they feel like you're rubbing it in you ease off the gas right and maybe in that in that moment you don't play to rob their bank anymore because it's not fun for them. So it's the, the, then in that moment, it's not about the game being won or lost. It's about you playing in a way that lets everybody play faithfully. Those, oh. those are, those are incredibly deep themes. So like maybe that puts a bow at least on, on my, my hope that, you know, our mission to, to talk about the significance of games shines through it's not a cone it's not a rope it's not a drill it's something much deeper than that so gavin to you i mean in we richard and i are on a mission that there's no end man we're doing this for the sake of doing it which makes it so much more joyous i, I cannot tell you and i know you've experienced it doing anything in juniors the kids who go oh it's my turn next or hey it's it, like those hostile kids, the the bully type kids, and then to have them play a game where they lost because of the choices they made earlier where, oh, it is your turn, but you should await it because our outcomes are, are the elements of chance. We have games that, that solely predicated on chance and that's how you win the game. So imagine how that kid feels knowing that he or she is the best golfer there. He or she wins everything. He or she's parents give them everything they want because they're only child and now they're forced to be in these environments that play is celebrated, you know, teasing, making fun of, you know, experiencing frustration is celebrated and harmony and compassion and empathy through the, our play powers and the rhetorics of play and using discover golf games. We're improving emotional intelligence, mate. Like we are creating environments that's hopefully going to create better human beings not just oh man this kid's got the dopest p4 i've ever seen <laughs> yeah it, it's unreal man i mean i i normally feel pretty well read and pretty up on my <laughs> up, up on my data uh i gotta do some reading i gotta i gotta i gotta get more in like i have it from certain elements but i want to be more into it 
you know, the first time I spoke to you guys together, I think Gavin, you were talking about writing an ebook and, and then we started to connect again and we, and I started to ask you questions and I'm like, wow, this is resonating with me. I need to fill in these gaps. So um, Richard, I hope people that are listening to this are asking themselves the same questions as me. Like, why is there a gap in my knowledge? What, what have I not read? What have I missed? Can you just, before we wrap up, can you just throw a couple of, um, obviously the, 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 the DG website, but then other areas, other books that you think sort of opened your mind to this. When you made that shift from the techiest golf coach of, of all time into this, oh, wow, man, I've, I've been missing this. What were those initial books, papers, readings? What did they look like? Where can they be found? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I think, you know, I touched on this before. I think it's a willingness to accept how many schools of thought are pertinent to our practice. I think the, 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 the moment that I said there is no longer any golf centric piece of information that's going to help me be the best coach I can be. That was, that, that was the, the minute my life changed. And I told Gavin the story. Um, I commuted every day between the city and, and where I work in the north side of Chicago. And so it's an hour and 15 minute train commute both ways. And so I got up and I read for two hours. I did two hours back and forth and then two hours at night. So I did about a book a day for three years. And that was the journey to filling in all of these gaps. And so it started with constraint-based coaching, ecological dynamics, systems theory, right? Looking at, okay, wow, the human is this ever complex adaptive system uh-oh, I better rethink everything because they're not just a piece of software that I can just speak to and download software. So, okay, here we go. I need to take a very close look at, oh, maybe how people make decisions. Oh, behavioral psychology. Books like Nudge are really interesting. Um, that That's an absolute great one to read. My wife at the same time was um, coming into my life and she was an MBA from... Um, University of Chicago, which specializes. Richard Thaler was a professor there. So I read a bunch of his work. Um, so how people make decisions. Well, we're not perfect deciders of like logical information. We make decisions based on emotion. We also make decisions based on these weird little tickles in our brain called heuristics. One off the top is we're risk averse we dislike losing things twice as much as we like gaining the same thing. That's a little bug in our brain. So then, well, how does the brain work? Oh, anthropology. Like there's, there's a deep dive. Like how did we become the person that we are? How much of our like ancient traits and our habitual life and our more primal centers lead the decisions and the choices we make every single day. Well, we got this new shiny prefrontal cortex. It's like executive functioning and that matters and we can make appraisals on things, but like it's still governed by emotion. Well, how does emotion work? Uh, well, how do theories of motivation come into this? So like, we're just scratching the surface here, my man. You got to pull from <laughs> all of that if you want to be dangerous. If golf oh. coaches want, if golf coaches want to be true stewards of the game, which means being stewards of humankind, you better get a double major, dog, because the golf Boom. piece is the golf piece is the first major. Then yep. it's humanistic studies. Boom. Double major okay. time. I think. Hey, I, Ian, you, I oh, think sorry. that. Yeah, I think that highlights as well. <laughs> More than anything. Oh, Ian, this we're is, not. This, we're not just. This is tame. This is tame. <laughs> he, uh, like, you, you, you should like. He's giving you the. I mean, cashmere version today. You should see <laughs> what, what we're doing in our real play workshops, which. If anyone's watching here, um, Richard's been okay. one of come take so a dive with cool. us, man. Hey, we, hey, uh, yeah. 36, 36 hours of this in the trenches all day. Boom. Boom. Well, I'm, 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 I'm doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time with you, Richard. You're gonna come up to wherever I can and yeah. wherever I'm based at that that moment. I don't know where that'll be, um, but I, I'm gonna be getting heavily immersed in this education because. Ultimately, the podcast, right? It's called The Power of Play. So when you look at a child and or when you see a golf coach say, right, 10 minutes till you pick your parents pick you up, go play a game. 
That's not the right place, right? That's not the power of play. A time no. filler. It's no. you've worked on your technique, now take it into no. a challenge. That's not what play is. Play is all of that education. 100%. leads to, to human evolution in a direction that as coaches and as people, we should all desire. So Perfectly I, said. I love Bingo. it. I, I Ian, love you it. You said it earlier. Well, I, Gavin, I want to I want to focus on on one more uh, thing just to sign off, right? And it, and, yeah. it, and it's for you, uh -oh. dude. I your Instagram makes me happy. I don't even care, right? That it's golf, because actually, like Richard, I don't do any golf certifications. I don't really do much reading in golf. I'm I'm getting all my information from from outside of golf. Uh, Richard excited me when he said, "Oh, I don't go to." Um, golf seminars anymore i go to like uh outdoor toy seminars and play seminars like i was like boom i'm gonna get on with this guy so i don't really watch many golf instagram accounts but i watch yours and i saw the most amazing thing man there was a game and there was these like building blocks and there was this young girl i, I i'm guessing she's like five or six and she had the putter in her four. left hand four four okay holding it completely four. Four. wrong and she just walks over to the wall and starts smashing the bricks down with the putter, right? And you're like, yeah, let's go. Hit this one, hit this one. And she is having so much fun. And I don't know any coach, I think everyone else, maybe even myself included a few months ago, might have been like, no, no, we got to get the ball and the, you got to hit the ball into the brick. And to me, it, it just... This girl's happiness, she's going to come back, right? She's going to come back and she's going to come. She's not coming to learn golf. She's coming to hang out with Gavin because it's fun. And that's the power of play. So let, let's wrap up. You guys, Gavin, share, share all your, you're yeah. younger than me, right? So you have them all. TikTok, Snap, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we'll finish with what? Richard sharing where he can get his, uh, he can get his education. Well, it's simple. Um, and you said something that I literally love is this country was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Ian? Yeah, there we go. Happiness. Happiness. It is my inalienable right to pursue not only my happiness, but everyone else's. And I wouldn't be an American citizen if I didn't do that. So that's what we're here to do is spread the happiness. We spread it every day on TikTok at, at Parker Process, on Instagram at Gavin Flow. Facebook, Gavin F. Parker, and uh, website, CEO of JuniorGolf.com. Love it. Love it. Uh, Richard, anything to, to add and then, and then share your information? Yep. Um, so Instagram at DiscoverGolfer, website, DiscoverGolf.co, not to be confused with .com. All the education, um, all the background stories there. Um, if, if you're ready to dive in, smash, smash a couple games, we'll box them up. We'll send them to you. Be ready for education. Um, on that note, we've got a two day seminar coming up May one, May two in Chicago. Um, but as Ian was saying, I do a lot of, um, you know, kind of custom workshops for facilities. So always, you know, always moving around sort of in the post COVID climate or the getting back to normal situation and be doing a lot of flying around the spring and summer. Um, so much of what we do is about manipulating and enhancing the unique constraints of each course's environment. You know, Hey, we got a short game area. We don't have a short game area. Hey, our putting green's huge. Hey, our putting green's small. Okay, good. Well, that's a custom build out. So if you want a DG play world, if you want play architecture, and if you want engagement theater, um, and you want to take it to that level, uh, come see us in Chicago, do it virtually, come have us uh, to your spot. Gavin and I are going to be doing a lot of tandem workshops together. So if you're looking for, um, you know, the science and the deployment all in, all in one lump, we're going to oh. bring it. So uh, thank you, Ian, for sharing or sharing your story today and having us on. It was such a pleasure. Well, thank I'm, you, Ian. I'm all in. The, 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 I think the mission that you have the purpose that, that you do it with and, and the motivation that you both share. Um, no matter what happens, right. You're going to be happy because no mission no and doubt. purpose. Um, 
And then I'm pretty sure, Richard, I'm going to see you maybe on Shark Tank getting like $10 million for 5% of your company. And Gavin, Let's go I'm going to... Let's go Cubes. Come on, there baby. There Pull we go. The trigger. Gavin, and then at the same time, I think Gavin's going to be on the Disney Channel doing some kind of uh, Power of Play show or whatever. No no there's, doubt. there's no doubt, right? The golf is just the, the, the starting point for you guys. It, it, what you do transcends, transcends everything. So I wish you, um, I wish you all the success and I'm extremely uh, excited to, to um, either come and see you guys in Chicago, bring you into the, one of my facilities and, and build from there, man. It, this is a, this is a necessity, it's not negotiable. It's, it's going to be epic. Thank Perfect. you. Thanks guys. Thanks. Absolutely. You've just taken a step forward to making a positive change in your life. That's right. You're one step closer to leaving frustration, stress, and anxiety behind. This was the Beyond the Mind podcast. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Into your world.